I'm Dale McGowan, sitting in for Leanne Lord, and this is Human Story. Raised in Saudi Arabia in a Muslim family of Pakistani background, and now an atheist living in Canada, Aina knows something about displacement and disorientation and the yearning for the lost familiar. Although she left Islam under her own power and is a strong critic of religion, her childhood and culture are intertwined in Islam. And each year, when the holy month of Ramadan comes around, she is struck by a complicated mix of emotions. The Islamic month of Ramadan recently came to a close with the Eid holiday celebrations following right after. And I'm left dealing with many complicated feelings. One of those being this feeling of intense nostalgia. A very warm, fuzzy, glowy blanket of childhood happiness that emerges and battles the detached apostate within me each year. The role of nostalgia in my life as someone who has left a couple of communities behind, religious and non-religious, and as someone who grew up as what they call a third culture kid or person, this refers to people who have spent their formative years being raised in a culture other than their parents or the culture of their home country or nationality. So being raised in Saudi Arabia, a very segregated society, not only by gender, but Saudis and non-Saudi expats like me lived very separate lives, rarely intermingling, at least when I was a child. Like, we would pass each other in the markets and all, but we would never really get to know each other. So yeah, being raised there as a Pakistani also did things to my sense of identity and belonging and community because, you know, identity issues from leaving religion weren't enough. That's why I think in my life specifically, nostalgia plays a very important role. As someone who's never felt a deep connection to a home country or hometown, as an outsider in religion as well as certain parts of the atheist community, the right-wing parts, that is, nostalgia really is one thing that links me to my past, is unchanging. It is an anchor in a sea of disconnectedness. Certain fond memories are triggered by the arrival of Ramadan. I remember the sounds of Arabic. As weird as that may seem, even though in all my life there, I never learned it, I heard it spoken around me so often in the markets, on buses, 
at doctor's offices. It was a huge part of my life, but I was always on the edge of it. It feels like I'm just about to understand it. It's so, so familiar. Such a major part of my childhood. I, I can reach out and almost touch it. I can almost feel the words on the tip of my tongue. But I can't quite get there. It's weird to be attached to the sound of a language and yet not know the language. But Arabic also triggers memories of the literal morality police shouting at me for a headscarf slipping or something. So, conflicted feelings yet again. And Ramadan brings all that to the surface. Thankfully, though, the happy childhood feeling ultimately rises to the top. Ramadan is the ninth month in the Islamic lunar calendar. And for Muslims, an especially significant one, too, it is believed that during this month, Allah revealed the contents of the Qur'an to the Prophet Muhammad. During this whole month, Muslims fast from sunrise to sunset, often with elaborate feasts on either side of the day's fast. It is a solemn, religious time for many, but also a very social and festive time, usually, of course, all of that has been a bit different during the COVID era, since people were isolating and not having get-togethers, but this time around, as more people were vaccinated and restrictions eased, Ramadan and Eid festivities were all back in action. And as a non-religious participant in all of this, it felt uh, intense after a couple of quiet years. This Holy Month always highlights the complicated nature of my relationship with my community and former religion. There's a notable uptick of religiosity levels among my relatives for this rather long period. The family group chats are inundated with Ramadan gifts and Islamic memes. It can be a bit much. The Ramadan hypocrisy comes out in varying degrees, too. It is fascinating to see. Things like premarital sex and consumption of alcohol, which are both considered a sin year-round, are put on hold by some for the month and by others only for the ultra-holy nights of the month. People get creative with loopholes and stuff. But most at least try to give the appearance of turning the piety up a notch, even if they're not really fooling anyone. But you know, that always reminds me how flawed and human everyone is, that no one can perfectly abide by these rules that were created over a thousand years ago. I'm lucky that most of the extended family that I'm close to and my immediate family, are all very inclusive and accepting of my lack of faith. 
but I don't think they quite understand that the shoving it in your face aspect constantly, every day, even via group texts for an entire month, and then the holiday right after, can become a little um, grating for some of us post-religious types. There is bound to be talk of religion at the family dinner table, and some of us really have to hold our tongues and pick our battles. Many of you will know that feeling from Christmas or Thanksgiving, but this period of family get-togethers is, well, a few weeks longer than those holidays. I shouldn't complain, though. It's definitely nice to see everyone again, and a huge improvement to the virtual Zoom dinners we had the past couple of years during Ramadan. I do recognize that among ex-Muslims, I'm in a rare and incredibly fortunate position that I can be open and honest about my non-belief with my loved ones. And even if things can be a bit tense sometimes, they are always welcoming and respectful of our differences. So I have not had to lose those closest to me after leaving the faith. I'm very grateful for that. I think it allows me to have a more nuanced and less angry understanding of religion. But aside from the people I'm close to, there are a whole load of people that I don't know on a personal level very well, but they are still in my extended family or family friends, so they don't know much about me or my views and just assume that I'm like everybody else they know. Ramadan is the time they all feel obligated to bombard everyone on their social media and WhatsApp with endless impersonal religious forwards and messages, with good intent, of course, but it can get rather exhausting by the end of the month, especially if people are constantly just assuming you are as pious and involved as them. Another layer to this whole affair, though, is that as a parent, I also want to strike that balance with my child where I do really want him to be connected to our culture and a large part of that happens to be via holidays rooted in religion. So it's a bit of a tricky tightrope around this time on the lunar calendar for me. I want to generate an interest in the cultural aspects of Ramadan and family gatherings and Eid festivities and gifts, but I need to create my own secular path and version of it because no such blueprint exists really in our Pakistani culture just yet, unlike with Christmas being completely secularized if you want it or need it to be. So back in 2015, I wrote and illustrated a secularized picture book about Eid because creating these types of resources that definitely didn't exist when I was little is kind of a passion of mine as an illustrator. I wanted diverse characters that were not just stereotypically Muslim depictions, but reflecting the diversity among Muslims too. A book for people to reference who didn't want something explicitly and overtly religious.
that upset a few people, both conservative Muslim for obvious reasons and conservative anti-Muslim types who didn't appreciate the celebrating diversity and Muslim culture aspect of it. But to my delight, my toddler, who didn't even exist in 2015, now loves it and asked me to read it to him constantly, and it gave him a reference point to Eid without my needing to draw from a religious kid's book. So, yay! But, yeah, everything around this month on the Islamic calendar is a bit of a time capsule for me. And it's weird to try and explain this attachment as an atheist and quite a harsh critic of religion, but, you know, it's not a conscious, rational thing. bright red rose water beverage that I'm still offered at every single Ramadan gathering. I am instantly transported back to a dry heat evening in our backyard in Saudi Arabia. I can hear the sounds of a large ice-filled pitcher of the same refreshing drink being stirred vigorously. I can picture it all so vividly. The stillness of the evening just before the prayer call. table being laid for the elaborate feast that would commence right after. It's still so fresh in my mind, you know. It's one of those fond connections I have to my past, and the portal just happens to open during the holy month of Ramadan. And there's nothing the atheist in me can do about it. While I'm not the biggest fan of the obligatory and religious part of these things, I certainly enjoy the rituals of community and gathering and food. It's something I definitely would want to hold on to and pass on in my own way. And that's a nice place to wrap things up and end on an uplifting note. But it wouldn't be me if I left it at that. So, while I do let the comforting glow of nostalgia wash over me every now and then, and I fully embrace the positivity of all that, there is still another issue that buzzes around in the back of my mind whenever I talk about the subject. And that is how easily these positive, happy vibes can be transformed into something nefarious like the weaponized nostalgia we've seen especially in the recent political landscape. With things like Trump's Make America Great Again and Lindsey Graham's good old days of segregation comment, with Brexit, and generally the right's constant efforts to chip away at progress, at human rights, there is this intertwining of culture wars and real-world politics 
a narrative spun before our very eyes about the supposedly glorious days when speech was freer and things were better, when minorities did not have the acceptance they do now, when there weren't as many immigrants. And it is through this manufactured yearning for these fictional better days that we see the animosity against vulnerable minorities grow. Through social media, we see a counter-mobilizing, even, of reactionaries. They're out in full force nowadays, actually influencing policy. They're out in the forms of accounts like libs of TikTok, targeting LGBTQ teachers or the CRT fearmongers who try to push this idea that children's education was once pure and unpolluted before, you know, they had to learn about all this woke diversity stuff, before they talked about racism in schools. We're living in an era where they are trying to sell us the idea that wokeness, or the convenient umbrella term, cancel culture, are newish phenomenons, that people are suddenly too sensitive and easily offended because you can no longer say the N-word without consequences. When in reality, these types would have had the same message at any point in time, that equality and acceptance have gone too far and that things were better before. So while nostalgia can be a good and positive thing, it can also be pretty dangerous when used to whip up angry mobs of bigots. So it's good to be aware of both types. Aina is an atheist of Pakistani background who grew up Muslim in Saudi Arabia. She is a critic of both religion and online movement atheism. She is host of the Polite Conversations podcast and the miniseries Woking Up, and the author and illustrator of the first Pakistani anti-homophobia children's book, My Cha-Cha is Gay. She lives in Canada. episode 9 of Human Story, a podcast exploring the human experience from a secular point of view, one story at a time. Each episode will bring you different storytellers sharing what it's like to be one of 7 billion living, feeling, thinking human creatures temporarily awake on a minor planet. So what's your story? If you have a secular perspective, a good story, and a gift for telling it, go to onlysky.media slash submissions to submit an idea for an episode of your own. We're especially interested in post-religious stories, stories about any aspect of the human experience after you're done grappling with religion. Give us a glimpse of what it's like to live in your head and see the world through your eyes. That's onlysky.media slash submissions. Human Story is a production of Only Sky Media, a home for journalism, storytelling, and opinion serving the growing community of the religiously unaffiliated. Visit us online and add your voice to the conversation at onlysky.media and subscribe to the Human Story podcast on the service of your choice. Thanks for listening. I'm Dale McGowan. See you next time for Human Story. Human Story.